Plan family, I want to thank you for joining us for our worship gathering online. It is our opportunity and our responsibility as the leadership team to make sure that you stay spiritually united as we have been socially distant. You do need to understand that we are looking for opportunities, two to be exact, that we would be able to do outdoor services. And know this, that when we do do our outdoor services, which we really hope to do, we will make sure that every decision we make will be done in the most healthy and safest ways. So we look forward to gathering. Today we are going to be in week two of our sermon series called Can't Go Back. Last week was the, the beginning, the unfolding, the, the groundwork for what we are going to be discussing all summer long. We are going to look at different characters. Each week, we are going to take a different character from Scripture and see how they handled crisis, cultural crises that they had to step into one way or another. They weren't options. They were crises that were going to take place, and God invited them to be a part of his work. Now, what we need to realize is that whenever God is going to do a work, he always uses humanity to be part of his redemption work for others. And so today, we are going to start with a character. In the very beginning of scripture, one of the first main narratives that we read, we will look at. It's not the passage of Adam and Eve, but it's the passage of Noah. And here's what I believe. I believe that as I look at scripture and I look at how Noah responded to God, that when we position ourselves like Noah, we allow God to do the supernatural, even in a world gone wrong. And I find it very interesting that when I open my Bible and the subtitle for this chapter in scripture is actually called A World Gone Wrong. So let's ask the question, what is God asking us to do when it seems and feels and even looks like our world has gone wrong? Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for an opportunity to preach. God, I ask you that this summer series would be a series that would be foundational and how we begin to step into the crises that we will face. God, we understand that we will face crises in two ways, personally and collectively. And sometimes those crises collide at once, that they're not only a personal crisis, but it's a cultural crisis. And I ask you that today would be one of those days that we look at scripture and we see an individual that gave you their yes. And God, here's my prayer, that we would learn to give you our yes. In Christ's name, amen. I want you to grab your Bible whether it be digital or paperback, and I want you to grab it and I want, to op I want you to open it to Genesis chapter six. Yes, it's the beginning 
of the Bible. It's the first book of the Bible. It's the first book of, of the narrative of humanity. Now, let me give a little groundwork of this passage so that you're able to dig into it and step into it and understand it even before we read it. This is 10 generations after Adam and Eve. So how many years was that approximately? It was, it was over a thousand years since Adam and Eve entered earth. And so what we know about Adam and Eve is that Adam and Eve, God created them as his greatest creation of all. Everything that God made, he, he looked on earth and he said, all of this is good, but the best is humanity. Humanity was God and is God's best because he created humanity in his image. And in his image, we were created. We were created to be in fellowship with God in a manner that no other species is able to have. But humanity had something called free will. And in their free will, they had the opportunity to choose to be in fellowship with God, to choose to be in relationship with God, to choose to be under the authority and the power of God to be able to experience God's best. But Adam and Eve, there came a point that they wanted to be like God. And in their desire to be like God, they made a decision. And that decision brought a broken fellowship between God and them. And so they hid from God. They actually ran into the woods and tried to hide from God. But God loves humanity so much that he went to humanity. He found humanity and created a means for humanity to be, to be back in relationship with him. This fellowship was different. It wasn't what it was supposed to be. But we have to remember this. God's greatest creation is us. And God will do everything possible to give us the opportunity to be in fellowship with him. But the subtitle says it best of Genesis chapter 6. A world gone wrong. And like Adam and Eve... Humanity, you and I, have an opportunity to choose to be in fellowship with God or choose not to. And so let's pick up the passage. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 through 7. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. If you have a pen or you need to pause, grab a pen, because there are some key things that you're going to want to underline here. So the Lord was sorry that he had ever made them and put them on earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing. All the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. And so like Adam and Eve, humanity had the opportunity, the door, the path to know God, 
to worship God, to sit under the authority of God, but like Adam and Eve, humanity chose wickedness. Chose wickedness in such a way that, that they wanted to do as they chose. They wanted to live as they desired. And they actually believed that their way was better than God's ways. Their plans were better than God's plans. Their thoughts were better than God's thoughts. Their desires were better than the desires that God had placed in them to be fulfilled as they lived and fellowshiped with the living God. And so God, this is what he was wanted to do. This was God's heart. His heart was broken. His heart was exhausted. His heart was tired of chasing humanity. And he got to the point that he said, I'm going to eliminate humanity. And because of humanity's sin, the desire to pull away and worship themselves he was going to eliminate humanity. Now, fact of the matter is this. When we look at a passage like this, it's almost like we get mad at God. It's almost like we put ourselves in, in humanity's shoes saying, like, why would God do that? Why would God want to eliminate us? Like, doesn't he want to give us another chance? It was over a thousand years that God was chasing humanity. And there were some, like Enoch before Noah, that walked with God. But it wasn't the norm. It wasn't what humanity often did. It was few and far between that, that an individual would say that I want to know God, I want to walk with God, I want to fellowship with God, I want to live under the authority and the will of God. And when you look at this passage, you see that God was not only going to destroy humanity, but every other part of creation that he had made. And so because of humanity's sin, because humanity decided to take God's perfect world and turn it for themselves, God was going to eliminate all things. It says that he was sorry that he ever made them. Genesis 6, so the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. And this is where you see God the Father's heart. It says it broke his heart. God's heart was broken because he longed to be in fellowship with us. He longed to be in fellowship with Adam and Eve. He longed to be in fellowship with humanity, male and female, young and old, but, but humanity chose their own path. Has there ever been a time in your life that you were so hurt, so broken, so frustrated, so exhausted with an individual that you just wanted to eliminate that relationship to ever continue. I'll be honest with you, true transparency, there have been moments in my life that my heart has been so frustrated, so angry, so almost to the point of resentment because my heart was so broken that I was ready to just sever the relationship. And God was there. 
He was at a point that he was just going to sever the relationship between Hugh, him and humanity. But we have to remember the character of God. The character of God that even though he's a just God and he is a wrathful God, he's also a loving God. And his love endures even over his anger and frustration. Even in a place of his brokenness and his broken heart, his desire was that humanity would still have that one more chance. And what I want you to take away, if there's anything that you remember today, this is what I want you to remember. God's plan always involves using humanity to accomplish his will. And so even in a landscape of the whole earth, he was going to look over the whole earth and find one human being. And God's thought is if there's one human being that has a heart after me, I will bring redemption. And that redemption will come through that individual's willingness to say yes. Do you understand that whatever is going on in our culture right now, that God wants to bring redemption? No matter what has happened, whether with a pandemic or, or with the racial injustice that's going on, God is looking for one individual to stand up and say yes. And as he looks throughout Bergen County, Passaic County, New Jersey, the USA, the globe, who is that one individual that is willing to say yes to God? This is my prayer. That in my journey of life, that as God looks over the earth, that he would find an individual, and hopefully that individual is myself, that is willing to say yes. Whether it's be yes to say, uh, to step into what's going on with a pandemic or, or racial injustice or a family situation or a church situation or a, a community situation, that, that my heart would be so aligned with him that I would be willing to say yes. So how have you positioned yourself during the last three months? Has your heart been positioned to say yes to whatever God is inviting you to be a part of, to be part of his redeeming work in our society, in your family, in your community, that you would be willing to say yes? And God found one in scripture. Let's continue. Genesis 6, 8 through 10. But Noah found favor, okay? If you see that word favor, underline it with God. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons. He also had daughters, but here are the names of his three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, there's not a lot that we know about Noah in this passage. We aren't given the location, even though we can assume. We're not given his vocation. But what we are told about him is, yes, those in his family that he was married and he had three sons. And, and later on in the narrative, you'll find out that he also had daughters. But what we learn about Noah 
is God did not find this one individual because of his status, but he found one individual because of his character that he was going to invite in bringing redemption back to the earth. The three key words that, that we see in these two verses, and, and I want you to underline them if you are able to. Highlight, underline, do whatever you need to do. First is favor. Second is righteous. And third is blameless. Now what I want to do is I just want to walk through these quickly about the definition of each and how Noah reflected this. The first word is favored. Demonstrated delight. We all know that there are people in our lives that, that find favor with us and we find favor with them. And, and so as God looked over the, the earth, there was one individual that, that when he saw them, Noah, Noah brought joy to God. Noah brought delight to God. And there are two character qualities that, that brought this favor between Noah and God. And I will say this, for those who you have favor with or bring favor to you, there are character qualities that make your heart sing, that bring an intimacy and relationship between the two of you. And this was true between God and Noah, that, that there were character qualities amongst Noah and God that, that brought this intimacy between the two. It's very interesting because Sue always says, Rob, so many of your closest friends are very different than you. They're not the football player or the basketball player or the, the jock that wants to work out all the time. Not that I like to work out all the time, but I do like to work out a lot. But there are things about me that, that Sue says, you realize your, your hobbies and, and the, the, the fun things that you like to do are very different than those individuals that you are closest with. And there are character qualities that I know that as I am in fellowship with certain individuals that, that draws me to them. And those are things that I hold dear. Things that I hold so dear that I'm not even going to say them on, on camera. But for God, we see in Scripture, there are, there are two things. But, but look what it says in Scripture about favor. God says this in Isaiah through the prophet. These are the ones I look on with favor. God says, these are the people that I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit. And who tremble at my word. Humility. God longs for the individual to just say, God, I am yours. God, you are God and I am not. God, I trust your ways. I, I believe in, in your scripture. When I read your scripture, that, that I tremble at your word because I really true believe with all of my heart that everything that is penned in scripture was written for me that I would be able to know you. And make you known. And so we see what, what does God find favor in? Those whose hearts are drawn to him. Now, now it's important for me to say this. Not whose hearts are perfect. Because when you really read the narrative of Noah. Noah didn't make every perfect decision. There were some really bad decisions that Noah made. And, and there were consequences just like all of us. 
But there's something about an individual's heart who God longs to be with. You see this throughout Scripture. I mean, the one person that God said that, 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 they, that they had the heart of God, God's heart, a man after God's own heart, committed some really bad things. But yet there was a drawing back, there was a humility, a willingness to sit under God's authority once again. Do you long for God's favor? I believe this is some of the things that we have backwards. We, we long for other people's favors, but, favor, but do we long for God's favor? The word that, that that's comes out in scripture is, is righteous, that, that Noah was a righteous man. What does it mean to be righteous? Living in relationship with God in which fellowship with God is the highest goal. Not desiring to live under one's own authority, but the authority of God. And so the question is, is, is how do we live a righteous life? And I think Philippians 3 says it best. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, rather... I became righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And so Noah's righteousness was based on his ability in faith, by faith, to live under the authority of God. And anytime he wanted to step out, out of that authority, the humility of his heart brought him back under that authority once again. And we have to remember this. It wasn't like us today where as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in us. Scripture says that, that our bodies are the, are the temple of the Holy Spirit. No one was just walking with God Figuring this out with God. We right now have an advantage over Noah. We have an internal compass. Something to point us true north to the Father. God's spirit that was in heaven now lives in us. And yet Noah, by faith, in faith, chose to walk with God. Our righteousness is based on our faith. Because in faith, we make the decisions that God invites us to make and the decisions that he asks us to follow. So how's your faith? Are you walking in faith? Are you walking by faith? Are you trusting that holy nudge called the Holy Spirit that lives in you to make decisions even when you don't want to make them? Are you giving God your yes in the everyday life even when you want to say no? But, but here's another beautiful word that, that we see in Scripture that Noah was blameless. And so you're thinking like blameless and, and righteousness, don't they kind of go hand in hand? Righteousness has to do with our relationship with God. Blamelessness is our relationships with other people. Want me to say that again? I know you do. Righteousness has to do with our relationship with God. Blamelessness has to do with our relationship with others. It's about our integrity, how we live in the everyday, the honesty that we live in. And, and I, and I want to just read this that, that I made a note. I said, Noah's conduct was such that his neighbors, even though they morally did not align with him, could find no fault with him. 
And so even though he lived in a world gone wrong, a world gone wrong, the people around him saw him blameless. I may not believe like Noah, but wow, he's a good dude. I may not think like Noah, but that guy just seemed to make every right decision. I don't want what he has, but wow, it's impressive. What about your neighborhood? What about the people in your work? What about the, the, the other fathers that you coach with or the other mothers that you are in community with? Is there that place where they look at your life and say, wow, I may not align with them, but I value them. I value them. There was a blamelessness that, that God saw in Noah that, that others saw too. I do believe that was one of the reasons why God chose Noah. Because as Noah was about to say this big yes to God, people were going to look at him. What's he doing? Why is he doing it? Questioning his, his integrity and, and really his, his convictions. But his character was going to outshine their questioning. I believe we have life backwards. God does not care about our talents, even though he wants to use our talents. God cares about our character and our hearts. I say this all the time. God does not have his favorites. He has his intimates. Intimacy comes through the favor of God when we live under God's authority and as we walk with others. Jesus said in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Do you live in such a manner that, that people are seeing you and saying, I want to walk with Jesus because of you. Second Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Do we actually believe that when we feel that God is the most furthest and distant from us, when we are going through tragedy or temptations, that, that God is actually panning the earth and saying, I'm strengthening you, I'm carrying you, I'm walking with you, I'm present with you, and I will strengthen you even when you feel weak. Because God longs to do that. Mm, come on. That's the gospel. In our weakness, God is strong because in faith we continue to say yes. And so remember this, God's plan always involves using humanity to accomplish his will. And if that is true, it's true with Noah. Let's continue reading Genesis 6, 13 through 18. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat. Lower, middle, and upper. Look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy 
every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. And so as Noah walked with God, as Noah communed with God, God invited Noah to be a part of the redemption work for humanity. And God met with Noah and he gave him a plan. And in that plan, he gave Noah details of what was going to happen. And not only did he give him details what he was supposed to do, but why he was going to do it. I truly believe in the intimacy of the Holy Spirit that there have been several moments where God has spoken clearly, not only with what he wants to do, but why he was going to do it. When God invites us into his plan, he communicates us with us in such a way that we can trust him and walk with him. And know this, that if God said it, God will do it, and that settles it. Now, this is where we get a little confusing. Like, we, we really don't know the landscape of, of Noah. Was he living in the middle of the desert? Was he living near the sea? Was he living near the ocean? Did he know what a boat was? I, I actually believe Noah knew what a boat was. But what Noah didn't understand was how this was all going to play out. But here's what Noah was going to do. Noah was going to say yes. And as I look at this narrative and as I really sat with it and as I looked at the passage, God was only going to rescue humanity and redeem humanity because of one man's character. We don't know anything about his wife's character. We know nothing about his children's character. But Noah's character would be the catalyst for humanity being redeemed. And even in the midst of everything going on, again, we don't know his, his children's character or his wife's character, but there was such favor with Noah that God said, you know what? I'm gonna rescue your family. People of God. Why is prayer the primary work of God's people? Because when we live in intimacy with God, God shines upon us and graces us. And is it possible that your favor is a blessing to those around you? And God is going to keep pushing and working and striving and running after those people. And there may be, some of you may not like me saying this, there may be a special blessing, a special grace that God is pouring on those closest to you because of your intimacy with him. Wrestle with that. Think about that. But my prayer is that God, as I walk and live with you, that all of my children will declare, yes, Jesus is Savior. But in my intimacy, in my walk with you, that you would be pushing on them harder than ever. Harder than ever. And that pushes me into prayer. Because when I see Noah's narrative, I see that my narrative, I hope, aligns with his. I'm not going to be perfect, but in my opportunity to rightfully live under your authority, you're with me. You're with me. I'm not asking for castles or ships or property. 
I just want you to be with me. And would your favor rest upon me and those that I love deeply. This was a crisis moment. A crisis moment not only for Noah, but a global crisis moment. And what we have seen and what we talked about last week is that that sanctification is the work of God in a person's life through the presence of God to fulfill God's will. And Noah was in a sanctification process with God that in his everyday life in a progressive working of, of God nudging Noah to himself, Noah had the ability to say yes. And then one day, crisis hit. And because Noah was positioned, he had the ability to say yes in this crisis moment. And this crisis moment was a kairos moment, a divine encounter that when when Noah says yes, God was going to do something supernatural. And I believe that when I look at scripture, there are moments in our lives that as we walk faithfully with God, when we grind out life with God, when we, when we continue to learn to say yes, and when we said no, but we stand up and we say yes again, that God is working in such a way, and it seems like his work is taking forever, but then there's this moment. We say yes. And it almost feels like spiritually we grew in a moment even more so than we have in the last several years. I can look back on my life and see several crisis moments that it was almost like the Spirit of God just downloaded a confidence in me that I never had. Downloaded a a, a power in me that that I was never able to embrace. This ability, the stamina that to, to keep going even when I wanted to quit because in a moment, having the ability to say yes. But there's also been those moments that I've said no. And I missed that growth opportunity. I missed that growth opportunity. And we talked about some of those, those missed opportunities last week. But when you say yes, it's almost like there's this download of power and presence and confidence and assurance that the Holy Spirit says, Next, let's go. Are we preparing ourselves for these moments, these kairos moments, these crisis moments that the sanctifying work of God is going big because he's got something big in store next? We talked about two summer questions that, that we want you to be asking. God, what are you saying to me? And how do you want me to respond? I believe it's the same questions that that Noah had to ask himself. God, in this moment, what are you really asking me to do? You want me to build a boat. You've you've given me the plans. You've actually given me all the details. How wide? How long? How high? How many decks? The window going all the way around. Where do you want the side door? You really want me to do this? People are going to think I'm crazy. And there are moments in our lives that people think we're crazy. It's like when your kid says, hey, dad, I'm just going to jump in the car and drive across the country. Or a friend comes to you and says, I'm quitting my job and I'm, I'm moving somewhere and I'm starting fresh. There are moments that it seems like, like these ludicrous decisions are actually God's nudge to what's next in our lives. But Noah had lived under the authority of God for so long that he knew God's plan was best. Have you been trusting God to know that God's 
plan is best? Are you willing to ask the question, God, what are you saying to me? So that you can respond by saying, yes, God, no matter how uncomfortable it is, I'm going to follow. Yeah, I've had those moments. I've had those moments. And when I say yes, they're so scary and, and filled with fear, but the presence of God takes away the fear as I step each step along the way. And here's what you need to understand. God empowered Noah to have the wisdom, determination, and stamina to fulfill God's ask. God will never ask you to do something that you cannot accomplish through his power and presence. Just like Noah. Noah, I'm not going to ask you to build a boat. I'm not going to ask you to go round up all the animals. I'm not going to ask you to invite your children to be a part of this and maybe kind of forcefully push them into this. I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm going to cause you to fail in. And for us, that's where we just need to trust God. Theologically, some people say, well, this was just a story. A mythical story to teach a spiritual truth. I don't believe that. I believe that if, if God raised Christ from the dead, he can do exactly what he did in Noah's time. I believe if Jesus could turn water into wine, that God could flood the earth. I was thinking about this week that as I was on a, on a men's group with some guys on Zoom, that if, if we could see each other's face through Zoom, when we are all spread out, that the counties, that God can at least do what he did in Noah's day. He can flood the earth. He can invite Noah to build a boat. And yes, that may sound like a very simple faith, but simple faith is powerful and effective. Jesus said, have the faith of a mustard seed. And you will move mountains. Did Jesus literally say move mountains? I mean, think about what Jesus said to the fig tree. He cursed the fig tree and it died, never to produce fruit again. Do you ever know what faith really means? Do you ever really ever think about what could really happen when you have full faith in who God is? And here's Noah's response. Verse 22. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. So Noah did everything God commanded him. People of God, are you willing to give God your yes? To fully lean into life right now. Giving him your yes, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the conversation may be, no matter what the change of life may happen, are you willing to say yes? I believe this. <clears throat> I believe that there are people in our church that are really wrestling with some really tough situations. Internal situations, relational situations, cultural situations, vocational situations. And God is nudging you this morning, this day, this morning, this evening to say yes. I will do the hard work. I will step into it. And you know what Noah did? He built the boat. And it took him a long time. He not only gathered the wood, but he had to take a tree, cut it down, create the wood. 
He didn't go to Home Depot. He didn't go to Lowe's. He didn't go to Kukin Brothers. He went into the woods and he found the trees. He cut them. He put them together and built an ark, probably while being in a place of humiliation amongst his neighbors. And he said yes. And in a crisis moment, he was empowered to live out the progressive work that God had in store. Come on. Are you willing to say yes in the crisis to be empowered for the progressive work that God wants to do? Everything. Are you willing to say yes to God's big ask? I know I am. And I hope when that Kairos moment happens that I follow through. So what's our takeaway? First, Noah had trusted what God, what he understood about God's character. He trusted what he knew and understood about God's character. God is good and gracious, even in a world that is broken and corrupt. Even in a world that has gone wrong, God is good and gracious. Noah trusted that. Do you? Second, Noah trusted the greatness of God. God had a plan that was bigger than any plan humanity could devise. And this plan was grand. And this plan was penned out for Noah to fulfill. The only thing that Noah needed to understand was I need to build a boat, I need to get the animals and my family in there, and God will take care of the rest. God's plan was big enough for him to trust in that moment. And lastly, Noah had trusted God's glory to accomplish an act that was impossible outside of a supernatural act. The glory of God, the, the majesty of God, the awe of God. Noah looked at the earth and he saw all that God created and said, wow, God is good. God is gracious. God is great. And God is glorious. That if he created the earth in seven days, if he created myself and all of these animals and all these different species, then he is big enough to do exactly what he has said he would do restore, redeem humanity through this one act. Is today that day in which you choose to, like Noah, walk in a relationship with God and that you would give God your yes? Here's what we've learned during this pandemic and during all the racial tension that we have in our country right now. We cannot go back to what was. We cannot go back to how things once were. But what we can do, like Noah, is we can say yes to God. Yes to what God is inviting us to step into. And the fact of the matter is it's going to be different for each one of us. But are we willing to, in faith, say yes? Here's all I want you to do today, we are going into a song of worship. And I want you during the song of worship, think about God's greatness, 
his goodness, his graciousness, and his glory. And ask yourself this question, God, what are you asking me to do? Then ask yourself the other question. Will I say yes? Will I say yes? Let's worship together. Let me declare this over you, plant family. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever hope, ask, or desire will empower you to say yes to his ask. Go, sin under the authority of God. Go, live blameless lives in your neighborhood. Go, live in God's favor. And I speak this over you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Plan family, remember this. We love you, we are praying with you, and we are praying for you. Have an amazing day.